Oh, and I, I love, I love the, the use the word audacious too, because I think that part of happiness is, is continuing to be bold, to be brave, to, to not live in your comfort zone, to stretch, to learn, to, to continue to sort of evolve as a person. And what we know from research is that all of those things are very much correlated with happiness. So a lot of times I think about happiness, like you can't directly pursue it, right? It's something that ensues based on what you do. And so if you use your sort of living this audacious life as as a North star, the byproduct is happiness, because oftentimes when you think about that and what you do tend to bring you more happiness. Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations, folks. It's Audley Stevenson here for another edition of Hands Down, the most audacious uh, podcast the internet has to offer. This is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I appreciate you for being here as we continue our ongoing goal of helping our listeners live their best audacious lives ever as always i encourage you to follow us on our social media channels uh we're on twitter instagram and facebook under the handle the audacious pod or you can subscribe to our youtube channel by tapping that bell down below if you're watching on youtube you tap the bell and you're connected to all great things audacious related so uh please like follow subscribe share and and let's keep this thing going Now, the topic of conversation on this episode of the podcast is all about happiness. And it's that thing that we all want to experience. We enjoy it. We like it. We want to get as much of it as experience of as much as possible. But there are so oftentimes things that come to play that interrupt that. And we know that life isn't easy and can be very depressing at times when you turn on the news. And sometimes finding our happiness is difficult to, it's difficult to find the happiness or even to maintain it. But I think that's where things like self-care can come into play and, you know, uh, and the way we take care of ourselves. In fact, uh, this is a timely episode because I've just recently come back from a week-long cruise in the Caribbean and I had a great time. I was relaxing, enjoying myself, enjoying the food, the good weather. Uh, I spent a lot of time with myself and and really uh, enjoyed the opportunity I had to just take in those moments and you know I've been working working on this book so I had a lot of time to devote to writing and and really commit to that so I was really really happy throughout and and I I make this point because I don't live in a perfect world I'm living the same world as everyone else and we all experience setbacks and challenges and things that don't go we want them the way we want them to but it's still possible to experience happiness in those moments and you don't always have to go on a cruise across the Caribbean but it helps no question but that's not the only way now i joined the conversation today is dr jillian mandich who is a a scientist that simply wants people to live happier lives she's a published researcher a two-time tedx speaker and the founder of the international happiness institute of health science and research i'm really really happy that jillian was here uh and found the time to talk with us about this topic because i said uh, it's a very timely one very important one and it's one that we all want to experience so uh, i think this is a great segue into my chat with dr jillian mandage so without any further ado here's our convo enjoy 
So excited to have Dr. Jillian Vandich joining me here on the Audacious Living Podcast. Such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for, for making the time. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to, to chat with you today. Oh, this is great. The topic of happiness is obviously your your, your specialty and all smiles. You know, it's funny. You, you, I, I, don't, I, I don't wonder if you ever uh, um, brought the topic of someone not just naturally smile. Like, I think it's it's that thing that we all sort of want, everyone's looking for, um, and, 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 and we're, everyone's searching, everyone's searching for it, and it just naturally, you know, uh, comes out in individuals. You spent a lot of time in research and, and the science of it. Um, I, I, maybe I want to kind of go back and what what got what brought you there to begin with, because um, that, that, that's actually intriguing to me. Yeah, you know, it's so. You know how sometimes you look back on your life and you sort of, I'm here. How did I get here? Yes. Right. Yes. It, I think about what I do. I research happiness. It's not like I sat down when I was in grade 12 in high school and said to my guidance counselor, like, when I grow up, I want to be somebody that studies happiness. To be fully honest, I went probably about 30 years of my life, not even knowing that you could study happiness. Right. Um, and so I have always been interested in health and wellness and health promotion specifically. You know, I yes. think we get one shot in our life. So like, how do we take the best job possible? That question has always been sort of something that has been my, my North star in terms of my interest. So yes. I did an undergraduate degree in health science. I live in right now. I live in Toronto, uh, mm -hmm. Canada. Yeah. And I originally am from London, Ontario, Canada. So the yeah. university there is Western. So I went yes. to Western, yeah. um, did a degree in health science, thought I wanted to go to med school and then decided I wasn't sure. So I ended up doing a master's degree instead because I realized I love research. I am a curious person. You ask all my friends, they will tell you, Jillian asks a really annoying <laughs> large amount of questions. Right. Right. Got it. So I love that. Mm -hmm. So I did a master's degree and I actually did it in child and youth health because okay. health is important to me. And I also recognize that children, they're our future, right? So how do we set the next generation up to be in a place to, to make the world a better place, to live their best lives? And so I actually ended up studying um, childhood obesity and child and family health. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh in like the diabetes space and and really work in that sort of area and then I went right into my PhD because I realized quickly once you get into the research world that if you want to do your own research you need a lot of letters after your name and a couple yes. degrees so yes. okay yeah. let's play that yeah. game. let's That's do that <laughs> got it makes sense so, makes right sense. I wanted to ask my own questions instead of right. helping somebody answer theirs I loved that but I wanted to be able to have that autonomy for myself so I started studying uh started my PhD and in my second year of my PhD, you have to do what are called comprehensive exams, which is okay. like three months, like the worst three months of your life. You have okay. to read all the research and know all the things. And then you have to write a paper and then you yes. sit in a room with a bunch of people and they ask you questions, like right. very smart people. Right. So I was looking at Open City and, and it sort of, because I was sort of hyper-focused on that, I was really deep into the literature and I started reading things like, you know, attrition. So dropout rates are very high in childhood obesity studies. Okay. Okay. Um, recruitment is extremely difficult. And also if you look at like a six or a 12 month follow-up, so after mm -hmm. the study finishes, you go back and you check in yep. most children go back to baseline. So the effectiveness of these studies isn't really there if they right. even finish the study. Right. right. And then the other thing that kind of, you know, you have those things that sort of weigh like heavy on your heart, right? Yes. yes. Mine was that in order to study for childhood obesity, you had to, a child to be in a study had to have a BMI, a body mass index mm -hmm. above the 85th percentile for their age and gender. Okay. Yeah. And BMI, you have to have inclusion. That's, that's how it's done. Yes. And so the way you calculate BMI though, is with height and weight. Yes, that's right. So essentially I'm using weight 
as a metric to determine if I could help a child. And not only that, I was thinking about it and you can be living with obesity and metabolically be healthy. Yes. And you cannot be living with obesity right. and not be healthy. Very true. So weight is not the ruler that I want to use in my work, right? Like right. what else is there? And right. so I was at Pilates one day and uh, the woman next to me was a prof at the business school at Ivy at Western. And she, okay. she, and I was having a, like in this existential crisis in my PhD. And um, she said, Hey, Jillian, why don't you come to the business school? We have a health section here. Yeah. You seem to be entrepreneurial. And I thought, that's probably a better place for me. Gotcha. And then she made this like off comment. And you know, when somebody makes an off comment that like changes their life and they probably don't even <laughs> oh, absolutely. get it, right? Absolutely. She says to me, or why don't you check out my sister's research? She's at Acadia, which is a university on the East coast of Canada. Yes. And she studies sustainable happiness. And I said, what's that? <laughs> and she's like, go home and look it up. And so I did. And I went home and I went on to PubMed and I was reading a bunch of research yep. And so sustainable happiness is more happiness from an environmental perspective, like how our environment affects it. Okay. But to be honest, I didn't even know up until that point, you could even study right. happiness. Yeah. Yeah. It blew my mind. Yeah. 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 And because so this, then, is a, this is a real thing. It is. There is actual peer reviewed yeah. scientific yeah. research. Yeah. And I started reading it and the other, yeah. th- so then because I'm so health focused, right. Yes. I started reading the research on happiness and health. And I was reading things like when you compare happy people to unhappy people, happy people have lower rates of cardiovascular disease. They have stronger immune systems. They heal faster from injury. They sleep better. They make better nutritional choices. So I thought, wow, here's something where weight is not the factor here. It doesn't matter what the number on a scale is. Mm -hmm. And it has positive implications for our health. It's more inclusive, right? And there's less stigma because- you know, a lot of times with obesity, um, with children, there was a lot of stigma around even having those conversations. Mm -hmm. There's no stigma with saying, I want to be happier. In fact, as a happiness researcher, I have not met somebody yet in my eight years of doing this work that has said to me, I'm good. I don't want (laughs) to be happier. You know, I haven't met anybody yet. So (laughs) there's no stigma. And if I said to you, Hey, I want to be happier. You're like, okay, cool. Like, let's figure it. Like there's no stigma. So I completely switched topics and I started studying happiness. And I have to say, I wish I would have like measured my happiness when I started studying it, because I feel like I applied a lot of the things that I learned in my work. And and I think from a personal perspective, I'm happier having learned the research, but also to be a part of a field. So up until about 1980, there was Mm -hmm. no peer reviewed scientific work on happiness. Yes. Yes. Which also blows my mind because how up until the eighties, did we not (laughs) think? Right. Right. We thought what's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Disease. Mm -hmm. How do we fix it? We never thought what's good. How do we learn from that? And how do we make it better? Better. And so what is really exciting though, is if you look in the past, like say 20 or so years, there has been a a huge increase in the field of positive psychology and happiness research, because we are starting to really understand that, wait, happiness is not just a smiley emoji. It's not just like this fluffy thing that feels good. It really is a major player in our quality of life, in our health, in our work, right? Happier people are more productive at work. They're better problem solvers, more creative. They're better team players in our personal lives, right? Happy people have longer and more fulfilling marriages. They have better friendships and relationships. So, Really, this is, we focus on this one thing that has, if we extrapolate it into so many areas of our life, the positive implications are 
really well. significant, meaningful. And to be able to apply the science to it, yeah. to, to help us understand that this is actually a thing um, is such an exciting uh, space for me to, to be in right now. Well, 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 I could just imagine as you're getting into it, you're like, oh, wow, happiness can connect to this and it can yeah. lead to this. And, and the more you dig into it, the more, and you, and you just rhymed off a half a dozen things real quickly that, you know, that may not necessarily come to a lot of people, but when yeah. you make that connection, you're like, yeah, this is not just a state of, it's not just that, you know, I think of that, that, that Bobby McFerrin song where he said, just be happy. It's more than just that. Yeah. This is like a real like state of mind in terms of what it can do for you and how it can impact not just you, but everyone else around you. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I you see that thing, you see songs like be happy or on Instagram, you see like the quote cards, choose happy. Yes. And I'm like, okay. And that's not quite it, right? right? We don't right, just wake right. up. Yes, we can do something about our happiness. Right. And I think that that's where the research comes in, but it's not that simple. I think sometimes right. we want to oversimplify things to like, be like I'm just going to wake up today and I'm going to choose happiness. But guess right. what? Life happens. Life is hard sometimes. Hard things happen. And so if we look at it from a, from a research perspective, sort of our total capacity for happiness, there are three major players. Mm -hmm. So we have our genetics. There is a strong genetic element to our happiness. Yes. So you can thank your parents or not, but it is yes. what it is. And yes. that's a part of the family. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so there's that. But I think the key piece is knowing the conversation doesn't end there. Yes. There is more to it. Another big factor, and I think we can all really appreciate this, having lived through a global pandemic, is environment. Yeah. Our environment definitely impacts our happiness for better or for worse, right? right? We have a beautiful, clean home. How do you feel versus if your house is a mess, right? Yes. If, if yeah. we're restricted of where we can go versus the freedom. So environment is a big one. And then the third one is sort of the piece that's up to us. So that's yes. a piece in terms of choosing happiness exactly. that you can yes. do something about, right? Because we can't yes. change our genetics. We can't choose right. those. Yep. Um, the environment is what it is. We didn't control it and set it up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. environment we do a little bit, but like, we can't all just like up and move to Costa Rica, right. you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So right, right. there's that. And then uh, the third piece though, that's our thoughts, our actions and our behaviors. Mm -hmm. And what we know from research is that when we focus on that piece, we can actually not only increase our happiness short term in the moment, right? We get that boost, yes. but we can start to sustain it at higher levels. And so that's the piece that my research focuses on, because when we think about what's amenable to change, right? Genetics hard, can't really change them. Maybe gene Correct. expression a yep. little bit. Yep. Environment, again, could change. Difficult. Yes. Thoughts, Isn't actions, right. and behaviors. Guess what? We live in our head every day. Nice. So let's, let's focus on that piece because it's a big player. And by doing that, we can make meaningful change. But the, the key piece is it's not just a choice. It requires work. You know, that's, that's not a sexy thing to say, but it's yes. true. It's like, people always ask me, Jillian, what's the magic pill, right? Like, what's the one thing I need to do or buy that's or right. get or say? And I'm like, there's no magic pill, but guess yeah. what? You're the pharmacist. So yeah. it requires work. It doesn't sound cute for an Instagram quote card, but really, no. truly that's, that's what, what it is. And I think that that is an empowering idea, right? Yeah. Because guess what? We can do something about our happiness. Yeah. That to me is like the take home Cole's notes, key yep. message. Yep. And so then once we understand that, then the question becomes, okay, well, what do we do about that? That's and right. that's where my work focus right. focuses on. Yeah. The, the, the word sustainability is a beautiful word that connects nicely to happiness overall, because yeah. you, it's, it's again, keeping that going over, over a, a consistent period of time. I had a, I had a friend of mine who recently was going through a really challenging moment and uh you know so we said hey let's go out and just kind of you know you know focus on something else and we went out 
And he had a blast. Like he had such a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't like trying to like be a buzzkiller or anything, but I kind of pulled him aside and I said, I want you to kind of remember this moment. Like you're supposed to be going through the most challenging and difficult point in your life. And you're, and you're having a great time. And just remember that because yeah. those are the things you should be. We, I think we can, and we all have that, the things that we can fall back on that can bring us happiness during moments of turbulence. Yeah. Oh, you know, I think, there's been a lot of things that I've had to like relearn or right. th- because I think we, like, were you taught how to be happy in school? Like you learn how to be happy growing up. <laughs> I miss that class, I guess. <laughs> I know me too. Cause it didn't exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so when we can give ourselves some grace here because yeah. we were we learned math and science and history and geography. Yes, yes. Nobody taught us how to be happy. Right. And then we add in marketing, we add in TV and movies, and then now we add in social media, right? So no wonder we don't know how to be happy because we weren't taught. So when we think of it like that, then it's like, okay, we, we, we can sort of, and so for me, I had taken on a lot of things that I had learned about happiness that I didn't realize that I did. So for example, I used to think I will be happy when fill in the blank, right? Mm. I will be happy when I finish grad school, when I get married, and then when I get divorced, uh, when I have X amount of dollars in the bank, when I'm a size, whatever, whatever. We all have these stories and we think that I will be happy one day if X, Y, or Z happens. Right. And when I started getting into the happiness literature, I started realizing that's not how happiness works. It's not a destination, right? It's not something that we arrive at one day. Happiness is a practice. It's something that we have to work at. Yes. And so when I was able to sort of realize that I had sort of by like, I don't know, social media, media osmosis, like absorbed these concepts, I had to unlearn it and relearn it. And that's been a really significant thing for me because now I understand that my happiness is not somewhere in the future. I'm not chasing a mirage that I may or may not arrive at. It's not even real. Right. 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 It's not a peak on a mountain. Exactly. Right. And so that shift. Yes seeing happiness as something that's available to me today. I can do things today to bring me happiness. And the more things that I do, and the more I focus on that, it's kind of like a muscle. Like the way I think about happiness is like, say for example, you went to the gym today, okay? You had like the best workout of your life. You would never leave the gym. And then you text me and be like, hey, Jill, I just had the best workout of my life. I've reached fitness. (laughs) You would never send that text. No, no, no. You're talking about going back. Right? You know, like, guess what? In a day or two, you're going to have to go back into the gym and you're going to yes. have to have another workout because guess what? Yes. If we want to live a fit life, a healthy life, we have to move our body on a regular basis yes. for our life, right? right? Or nutrition. Like say you made a green smoothie this morning and you put like all the superfoods, you got the kale and spirulina yep. and yep. all of them in the smoothie. Yep. You would never drink that smoothie and be like, oh, I've reached nutritional wellness. I'm good. <laughs> Right. Cause lunchtime is going to roll around and you're going to be hungry. Right. <laughs> so the way I think about happiness is the same way that I think about fitness or nutrition. It's a practice. Yes. We have to do things consistently right. to focus on our happiness. Just like we have to, if we want to be healthy, we have to move our body regularly. Yes. We have to choose healthy food most of the time. And so for happiness, it's the same thing. It's like a muscle. So you go into the gym, you exercise, you lift weights over time, you get stronger, right? So the same is true for happiness. We do things that make us happy. And over time, it's like our happiness muscle grows because the other thing that I was so surprised to learn about happiness is that I thought, I don't like feeling sad. I don't like feeling anxious. I don't like feeling depressed. 
Right. So Jillian, you're a happiness researcher. What do you, what is your skill set? Research. So why don't you figure out how to be happy all the time? Yes. It's like a good goal, right? What I quickly learned when I got into the research is that it's impossible to be happy all the time. Correct. And so part of the other unlearning or like relearning, unlearning and then relearning about happiness is that we can't be happy all the time. That's yep. impossible. Right. And so once we understand that, it gives ourselves grace. There's actually research, um, sometimes in the scientific literature, it's referred to as like the dark side of happiness, okay. where people that set their goal as to be happy all the time, mm-hmm. they're less happy than other people. Because <laughs> they're working towards something, they're chasing something, right? That's- yeah. And I read that and I'm like, this can't be right. This is right. Like right. how, if your goal is happiness and you're working towards it, yeah. you not at least be happier. But then I thought about it and I was like, wait, what happens when we don't reach a goal? We feel bad about ourselves. Our self, right. negative self-talk comes Fantastic. in. We feel discouraged. We feel like we're not good enough, yes. whatever the narrative is. Yes. So part of it too, was understanding that being happy means that we're not happy all the time. Correct. And I think that that's a really powerful piece of this conversation too, because guess what? If we're having a day when we're not feeling happy and we try to be happy, what happens? It requires way more work and energy. We end up feeling less happy, right? Right. So it gives us grace to be like, okay, I'm, I'm not happy today, but that's not the point. You know, I, I just, it was interesting. I went through a breakup last July of a four year relationship. I was heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to my friends and they'd be like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sad. I'm heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And they kept saying to me, well, Jillian, you study happiness. How can you be sad? (laughs) I'm like, I went through a breakup. That's That's why. (laughs) But there was sort of like, because I had to learn through research that it's okay to feel sad. If you're going through a breakup, it's okay to feel grief. If you've lost a loved one, you know, it's natural. It is. And part of being happy is understanding that we have a range Yes. As yes. humans. Yes. And some days we have good days, happy days. And some days we have sad days. Yeah. And when we can sort of open that up to feel the full range, yeah. when we think about living, you know, this full and complete life, that's where it is. It's not being happy all the time. Can we do right. things to be happier? Yes. But guess what? Life is also hard and bad and sad and difficult Absolutely. things happen. Absolutely. Right? But nobody told us that. Well, well, this is true. Like we didn't get that in the, again, we didn't get that in school. They were caught between English and math. And that yeah. was but you know, the thing that the thing I remember saying a while back, I remember hearing is that um, and I remember even adopting my own world is like I don't have bad days, I have bad moments. So much to your point is acknowledging that those feelings are gonna exist, they are going to be there, but they don't necessarily dominate who you are or what you become or what you're known for, right? You still can be, again, experience moments of sadness, but still be a happy person. So it's there. I love that. I just wrote that down. That's really good. (laughs) Good. It's true though, because I think sometimes we also get our identity wrapped up in our feelings. Yes. But our feelings are not who we are. They're just data. They're telling us what's going on. They're giving us feedback, right? Like it's sort of like, I don't usually use the term negative emotion or positive emotion because I don't like stress or anxiety. For example, we call it a negative emotion, right? But really, if you think about it, say I was supposed to meet a deadline at work and I decided to go with my friends the night before instead of doing my work. Sure. And then the next day I was not sending my work on time. Right. So I was not um, following up and coming through with what I said I was going to. And if I felt stressed that day or anxiety, guess what? That's a probably a normal response when you are not accountable or responsible for what you said you were going to do. Right. Is that bad? 
I would say, no, I would say that, no, that's showing you it's a compass being like, Hey, you need to course correct because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And so now this is what you're experiencing. So I think about all of those things. And then really when you could start to see it from that lens as emotions, as data, they don't define who we are, right? You just said, you know, not bad days, bad moments. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a sad person. You have sad moments. Right. And the other thing I used to think about sadness is that I used to think that sadness was the opposite of happiness, right? I don't want to feel sad. I want to feel okay. happy, okay. right? Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Except that I quickly learned that happiness and sadness are not like two ends of the same continuum. They're separate constructs. So you can be more happy and less happy. You can be more sad or less sad, Mm -hmm. but you can also be happy and sad at the same time. It's kind of a bittersweet emotion, right? So learning how we are feeling and seeing it as, as information, as data, as, as guideposts to help us navigate our journey, knowing that some days are good. Some days are bad. Some moments are good. Some moments are bad. And even saying that bad is a relative term, right? It's just information. It's right. just data helping us to navigate our life. That's how I see it. So, and, and so I, I love that perspective. I want to sort of take it into adversity. So when, you know, when happy people face adversity, uh, you know, what maintains that happiness and how they respond to this adverse or difficult or challenging thing, because you still can be happy in the face of that, to your point. Yes, exactly. Like you can generally be a happy person and not feel happy in the moment, right? And, and also, so this is where the resilience piece comes into this conversation because resilience um, actually comes from an engineering term. It's, it's basically our ability to bounce back. Okay, yep. And so the thing is though, so we're going along our life and then something challenging happens, a, a pandemic, a job loss, a health issue, a loss of a loved one, whatever it is, divorce. Yes. Then our happiness goes down because something difficult has happened to us. Resilience is our ability to bounce back. And so when we think about happiness, like a muscle and we do things to strengthen our muscle, what happens is that when difficult or challenging things happen, which they will, because that's life, it's we're stronger in, in our ability to bounce back quicker. So the time that it takes for us to kind of cope or navigate through those things is shorter. It's condensed. But the thing is that's resilience, just our ability to bounce back. I would be willing to bet that you, or you listening to our conversation right now, are not the type of person that just wants to go back to where they were. We want to grow. We want to learn from things. We want to be better, right? So that's where the the conversation about thriving or flourishing, we sometimes call it in research is where it's like, I don't want to just bounce back from a difficult situation. I want to take that. I probably would never have chosen this to happen, but guess what it did. So now how do I go beyond where I was before from this experience, right? We think about like the pandemic, like we imagine we rewind back to like March, 2020 and everybody's having to figure out how to work at home, homeschool, all these things. It seemed like an impossible ask, but guess what? We figured it out and we are better for that because we were able to adapt. We were able to not just shut it down and just give up, right? We figured out how to make it work. And so that's where focusing on our happiness in the good times is even more important because what we do is we build that muscle so that when we have those challenging things, which happen because life is hard sometimes, we're able to navigate it in a better way. It's not about getting rid of those challenging moments, right? It's how do we navigate them when they happen? That's That's kind of the the key piece. 
one thing that I like and I've done in, in my own life is I, I, I like to sort of keep track of, of, and I call it keeping track of my wins and mm. almost keep like a, 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 a folder or a Rolodex of, of these things that every so often, if I need to remind myself of, you know, my awesomeness or my greatness, or, you know, I go back and look at that yeah. and, and, and that helps maintain me. So even um, when I face, if I'm facing something challenging, right, I'm able to say, yeah, but you did this before. Mm-hmm. Like you saw worse than that, man. And and that's and those are the things, little things that we can do. And I, I'm sure there's lots of that that's out there. But those are just one of the examples that I institute. I love that. I have a, a folder in my email okay. and in my Dropbox called Sunshine Messages. And okay. so sometimes I'll get like a random message, Jillian. I heard you on a podcast. And I just wanted to thank you for what you said. Or I really like like just people saying nice things, and I put them in this folder. And if I'm having a bad day or, you know, I'm just struggling or, you know, I'm feeling unmotivated, I'll go into one of these folders and I'll just read a couple messages. And it's the same thing as what you're saying, where it's like, sometimes we, we can go back and remind ourselves of those things as to why we're doing what we're doing, especially in the moment we're not feeling it. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, I also, because of that practice, have tried to make an effort to do that more for other people as well. Okay. You know, so when I was in grad school, I had to work like so many jobs because grad school is expensive. Right. I had to pay for myself. So I did so many jobs. One of them, I used to teach yoga and Hmm. at the end of a yoga class, everybody walks out in Shavasana. Right. And they're all like on a bliss cloud, you know, so great. (laughs) Oh, that's good. But the thing is they all, everybody leaves sort of blissed out and you know, they're in their own zone. So I don't get a lot of feedback if people enjoyed my class. Right. The only time I got it was when somebody didn't like something. Right. And then I heard about it. Mm. So I thought about that and I thought, you know, I have this box of sunshine messages where people sent me a nice thing. So I try to also do that because it's, it's a, there's a reciprocal piece to it where like yes. somebody could have done something really wonderful for you today, or even just like had a thought that sparked something yes. for you, yes. but they have no idea. So I try to have it go both ways. Um, part of it is because I, I see from a personal perspective. I also know from the research that when we think about things like gratitude, right, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. uh, a very popular practice, highly correlated with happiness when we take that extra step to tell somebody in terms of the, the profound impact that it can have, it really does matter. And we also know there's research from Harvard that our happiness spreads three degrees from us. Okay. So when we're happy, it affects people that we meet and the people that they meet. And so by actually telling somebody that they did something nice or that you appreciate them, or you're grateful for something that they did or who they are or what they said or whatever, you're then taking it a step further in terms of spreading that. So that's something that I've been doing lately that I really um, think is fun. Nice. I actually, that's actually, and, and I like the fact you're very intentional about it. Like yeah. Intentional about making sure this is what you do because you see the positive effects and, and how it's helped you. So now why not spread the same with others? Um, so no, I love that. I'm actually my, something I'm going to keep be mindful of for my own self. Uh, the, even something as simple as smiling. You know, Jillian, you know, I got in the other day and this, you know, this guy just smiled at me. And, and I remember that. And, and oftentimes, you know, at the end of the day, you might go back and reflect on that one simple, what was seemingly small act, but yeah. it had huge ripples to your point as well. And so I think we all have that opportunity with us to make those ripples and waves in other people's lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I think sometimes we think like happiness is this big, huge, overwhelming thing, but when you break <laughs> right. it down into small steps, right? And what we know from research is that we often think it's the big shiny moments, right? The birthdays, yeah. the graduations that bring us the most amount of happiness. But in reality, when we actually look at the data, it's living a happy life is about creating small bursts of joy throughout your day. Uh, 
Like so that. when we think about that, that's something that's accessible to all of us. We can all do one more thing today that made us smile. We can send one more email to somebody. We can take 15 minutes and go for a walk, whatever makes us happy. And those things, even though they're seemingly small, big, big picture, total life, those are what actually add up to a happier life. And so I think that that's a really important piece to remember because now it becomes a question of, okay, well, what can I do? And then over time we start to build and it gets stronger and stronger. Our muscle gets stronger, right? We build the habit, but when we break it down into what's like one thing I can do today, it's much more manageable than being like, oh my goodness, I need to plan like a a vacation, right? (laughs) Right, right, right. Because the other thing is we often think that the vacations, the birthdays or whatever, they bring us a lot of happiness. But when we look at the actual data, they don't bring us one, as much happiness as we anticipate they will. And two, for as long as we think it will. Yes. Because I think part of it is we have well, the to planning. Understand. I'm thinking of the big planning of these events. That is enough to drive you crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's <laughs> yes. The stress, the anxiety, potentially right. all of that. Right. But even right. if everything went so smoothly, even if that all happened, yes. Long-term impact is not nearly what we think it's going to be. Yes. We feel right. good in the moment and it's important. And we don't have those days every day, but most of our days we live, you know, in our, in our general life, in our, our routines. And so that's where to focus, to really think about how do I, how do I increase my happiness? How can I be happier than I am today? Got you. Uh, I got to ask the pandemic, because I would, I would assume, I would assume that, uh, that that had an impact on, oh, I did not assume it did have an impact on our t- entire society globally around the world. Yeah. And you heard a lot more conversations about things like mental health and, and personal happiness and things of that nature. Did you, what, what, what were you seeing from your perspective at that time? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because before the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, so I do a lot of TV a lot of TV um, and I'll talk about different happiness related topics. And so because I was on TV, companies started asking me to come and talk to them. So I'd go do workshops, lunch and learn, speaking at conferences. And when I was sort of preparing my, my talks before the pandemic, I would always start with, you know, I have a PhD in health science and happiness and health are highly correlated and it's good for your work. Sort of how we started the call today. I was talking about all the things for the research, but it was almost like I felt like I was a lawyer building a case as to why happiness is important. And then after we sort of did that, then I would talk about tools and strategies. What do we actually do about it? But I felt like I needed to really beef up the part about why it matters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That credibility, right? To really enhance that. Yeah, to help people understand. And, And that was where we were at. The pandemic, I think because we are all now living and breathing mental health with ourselves, with our colleagues, with our family, with our friends on a different level, the conversation has matured a little bit. It's, it's yeah. gone beyond why does happiness matter, right? It's gone beyond that to what do I do about it, mm-hmm. right? From why should I care to what, how can I do something about it? What can I do? And so now I think that we are understanding that our physical health and our mental health aren't separate things. Right. They're interrelated. And then they also affect how we show up at work, how we show up in our personal lives, how we show up in our mind. And so that conversation has now opened up in a way that it it hasn't before. So I think that that's a silver lining of the pandemic. The other thing is that when I used to do research before the pandemic and I would ask people, what makes you happy? A lot of times one of two things would happen. Well, first I would ask people like, are you as happy as you think you possibly could be? Okay. Never got a yes. Never got a yes. And then I would say, okay, well, what makes you happy? 
And then like pattern recognition would come in where one of two things would happen all the time, where either they would sit there and they would like pause, really think about it, and then say an answer. Or like before they started their exhale, they were already speaking. It was like a reflex. My mom, my dog, my cat, my sister, my brother, like they didn't even think about it. It was just like came out as a reflex. And I thought, okay, well, if we're not as happy as we possibly could be, and either one, we don't know what makes us happy, or two, we aren't even really conscious of it because we don't appreciate it. So no wonder we're not as happy. Now, since the pandemic, when I asked, I'm still getting the answer of no, I think I could be happier all the time, right? But now when I say what makes you happy, I'm hearing things like going for a walk with my mom, mm. going out for dinner, going to a movie, these seemingly simple, quote right. unquote, small things right. that we took for granted before yeah. the pandemic, yes. we are appreciating so much more now. And so that's the other silver lining that I see from happiness is that a lot of those things that actually bring us a lot of joy, that bring us a lot of happiness. Yes that we just sort of was part of our life. As yes. soon as it was removed, we realized how meaningful and significant uh, yes. those, yes. you know, those, they weren't birthdays, right? It's right. like going right. out for drinks with your coworkers on a Thursday. Right. Right. It's, you know, like all of those little things, seeing your mom that really do matter. And we, we are appreciating them more now. And so I think that that's an exciting piece yep. Um, as well as the conversation, a lot of the stigma has, has started to disappear around the topic of mental health, right? Before it was like, you, I'd see you, not you, but like a, someone you don't see very often. You'd be like, yep. Hey, how are you? I'm fine. And they say, how are you? I'm fine. And you go yeah, along Right now. It's like, you know what? I'm really anxious right now. I'm feeling mm. very stressed. Yep. The conversation has opened up more yes. to have more real conversations because yes. guess what? We are real thinking, breathing, feeling yeah. humans. And, and that's really opened that door. I remember I saw a former colleague once and I said, hey, how's it going? And he said, oh, not good, but I'll tell you yes because no one else will listen. I go, well, I'll listen if you tell me, right? And, yeah. and, and, and I simply said, and it sort of caught him off guard. He's like, what? You listen? Yeah, what's up? And I mean, obviously, you know, the conversation and going there went other places, but the whole idea of being willing to listen to others. And so when you yeah. make the point about it opening up, it has opened up and it allows yeah. for people to be okay with just saying, I feel pretty crappy today. Right. Yeah. Whereas that wouldn't have necessarily happened before. So to you, exactly. I think it's a, a really good thing. Yeah. Um, the, 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 uh, you know, I know we talked about sort of the, the muscles, right. And, and, and being a regular, you know, working at regular to build that muscle, that happiness muscle. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why, uh, so you'll, you'll see people who are, 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 and they'll say, oh, this person's always happy. They're just always a happy person not recognizing that they've done some work to get there. And maybe, maybe because of genetics, it made it a bit easier. So I'll give that sort of that benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, they've done some work and it just looks really, really easy, but they have put in the time and energy to put themselves in a happy place. And I, and I sort of thought of that point afterwards because that really builds on that whole muscle building, mm-hmm. happiness building muscle that you made earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I would say I'm one of those people, like uh, my mom was cleaning out her basement a couple of years ago and she found all my like report cards from when I was in like kindergarten (laughs) and my teachers would say, Jillian's a happy child. So I think I'm, I won the genetic lottery to some extent because I think I've naturally been a happier person at the same time. I study this, right? So I'm, I talk about it all the time. I know the data, I collect data, I read it. Um, I've applied what I learned. And even with that, even with sort of a genetic predisposition, plus my work, I'm still not happy all the time, right? right? So 
that's something to talk about too, because that's not, but also that's not the goal, right? Like that's not yes. the goal. I'm not striving towards that. I'm just trying to be happier than I was yesterday. That's it. And that's and, fine. And guess what? I actually, sometimes, you know, we don't choose some of the really difficult emotions, sadness, anxiety, right. um, but they do help us in a way, you know, to, to move through things, to help us grow, to help us learn, to help us course correct. And so I don't, I think part of me is I don't sort of push them away and bottle them up or pretend like they're not there. Yes. It's not about getting rid of them. It's about feeling them fully, yes. not marinating in them for weeks yes. or months or years. Yes. Yes. And sometimes they're there to help us. And when we're having those hard times, because we built up that muscle, we're able to cope and be more resilient, yes. but also we have tools that we can put in place when we're in those moments, because we know that that's part of it too. You know, talking to a therapist, talking to a friend, going for a walk, journaling, meditating, whatever those tools are that work really well for you. Um, knowing those things when we're in those challenging situations, which we all are myself included, yes. it allows us the grace to be a human. And, and I think that that's the point. One, one quick thing you said there, and I think it's a really significant point. You talked about what's good for you or us, right? Yeah. Individually, we all have our own pathway, our own individual happiness. And yes, there's some general things that can make us all happy, but I need to know what things work for me that I can fall back on in those moments when I feel crappy. So I think it's a really, yeah. really solid point. Oh, it's so true. You know, I even, um, I am going to Austin on Thursday okay. uh, to, I just signed a contract with a literary agent to write a book. Okay. Oh, wow. And I've been, I've been trying to work. I finished my PhD in 2019 mm -hmm. and I thought, Jillian, your PhD has very good content, but it's academic writing, which is boring. Nobody wants to read it. So why don't you just sort of repurpose it and publish it as a book? And then the pandemic, I finished in 2019, November, then in March, the pandemic hit. So I sort of was so busy with other things that I kept sort of procrastinating writing a book. But part of the reason I was procrastinating was because I thought to myself, I can't write a book and tell people how to be happy because they need to figure it out for themselves, right? Like, I can't tell you how to be happy. Right. That doesn't work like that. Can I say that, you know, the research, this is what the research is, you know, we know from research. And can I point, if you think about like a compass, right? Like, can I help you pump, point your compass in, in the right direction? Absolutely. Right. But at the end of the day, we have to do the work and answer that question for ourselves. And it's, it's a continually like iterative process of answering that yes. question, because what made you happy when you were 16, if you think about it, versus yep. now yep. versus when you're a hundred, it yep. changes, right? It's not like we figure out this formula for ourselves and then we're set for life. It's, it's an right. evolving process. Right. And so part of the work that I've been doing right now is trying to figure out, okay, how do I write a book? But I also find it disempowering to tell somebody how to be happy because that's mm. not how it works. Mm. So that's what I'm kind of like sitting in right now, because you're right. The reality is that we have to figure that out for ourselves. And right. can we support ourselves with people that support that? Yes. Can we listen to podcasts like this and learn more? Absolutely. And are all those things important? Yes. Because yeah. now you're not just sort of shooting an arrow in the dark, right? You can at right. least yeah. sort of trend in the right direction, but we still yeah. have to do the work. Right. And so that's, that's a, a really important piece of it too. So I love that you just said that. Oh, this is awesome. Awesome. Jillian, I have so much enjoy this conversation. It's very happy to have you here uh, on the podcast with me. And again, on this podcast, we, we, we spend so much time just encouraging people. So, you know, we talk about that best audacious life ever mm. and, and, and happiness is a huge, huge part of that. And so I'm glad that you're here to, to share some insights and uh, on the topic from your perspective. And you certainly give a lot of, you know, there's a lot of quick strategies and tools and you touched on many of them that we can do at Institute that. And, but I, I you know, the, the, the sustainability piece 
and building that into our everyday lives, into who we are to, so that we can sustain it. I think once you hit that goal, you're well on your way. Because again, we know that there's, you know, the, the, one of the images I had was the hills and valleys, right? So we can stay in the, we can, we can go up on those hills and we get down those valleys. How long do we want to stay there before we go back up again? And that's yeah. what it's all about. Oh, and I, I love, I love the, the use the word audacious too, because I think that part of happiness is, it's continuing to be bold, to be brave, to, to not live in your comfort zone, to stretch, to learn, to, to continue to sort of evolve as a person. And what we know from research is that all of those things are very much correlated with happiness. So a lot of times I think about happiness, like you can't directly pursue it, right? It's something that ensues based on what right. you do. And so if you use your sort of living this audacious life as, as a North star, the byproduct is happiness because oftentimes when you think about that and what you do tend yes. to bring you more happiness. So I, I just, I'm so grateful to have spent this time with you. I, I love the work that you're doing and I, um, it's so important and so meaningful. So thank you so much for having me on. So, so awesome for our listeners who are checking it out and, and we're making them happy by what we're talking about here. And they want to learn more about you, Jillian, where can we send them? Uh, my website is a great place to go. It's like a hub. All the things are there, yeah. which is my name, which is Jillian Mandich. And it's Jillian with a G. So it's G-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-A-N-D-I-C-H.com. Awesome. All the links to all my things are there. Very, and my socials cool. are all Dr. Jillian Mandich. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, listen, I am appreciative to have the time with you today. It's been awesome. And please continue doing your fantastic work because it is making a difference. Thank you. You too. Back we are here on the podcast, and it was very, very cool to have Jillian join me here on the Audacious Living Podcast to discuss happiness as a topic. You know, like like I said off the top, uh, it's something that we all want more of, but I don't think we all know how to go about achieving it, at least on a consistent basis. So uh, I think Jillian provides a lot of great insights on that. Be sure to follow her work over at her website, JillianMandish.com, uh, for all her latest updates, articles, and her studies. You know, when I think back uh, to my conversation with Jillian, she really left us with a lot of great points. But if there's just one thing that I take from our chat, it would be this. We certainly are, are living in stressful times. And, and during these moments, it may be harder to find happiness and or even the things to be happy about. All you got to do is turn on the news at any given day and, and you'll find something that can bring you down relatively quickly. Despite what the fairy tales depict, you know, happiness doesn't appear by magic. Uh, it's not even something that happens to you. Uh, it's something that you can cultivate. And while you know, while bulk of, of what determines happiness is connected to our personality, you know, the things that we think about and our behaviors also can influence it. And those are things that we can change. People who are happy uh, seem to intu intuitively know that their happiness is the sum of their life choices. And their lives are built on basically these, these five pillars, if you will. It's devoting time to friends and family, appreciating what we have, maintaining an optimist outlook, feeling a sense of purpose, and living in the moment. Bearing, things, bearing these things in mind will certainly put you on that pathway to living a happy and audacious life. 
Hey, we've reached the end uh, of another fantastic episode of the Audacious Living Podcast. And as always, I got to send out a big shout out to our, our listeners uh, and lovers of Audaciousness. All of you are a big part of what happens here on the podcast and you help fuel this and keep it going. So I want to extend my appreciation and, and, and thanks uh, for you just being in our world and, and, and making this thing go. Um, uh, if you are, are listening on your favorite uh, podcast listening platform, we love uh, reviews. We love uh, ratings. So, hey, five stars uh, would be fantastic. And you can leave a five star rating, a comment uh, as well. And that will, again, it will help the platform grow. Um, email notifications of the podcast uh, you, you can subscribe to that if you head over to bestaudaciouslife.com and all you gotta do is enter in your email address and uh, again you'll be connected to all good things audacious related we sadly reached the end of another episode of the podcast and as always again shout out thanks I appreciate you and we will see you next time stay safe be kind show love to one another and be audacious You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.